a podcast for dads who love music, made by dads who love music. And now, your hosts, Josh and Joe. This episode is a continuation of the previous episode on concerts. We initially were planning to release the whole thing as one episode, but then realized it was going to be way too long. So instead, we cut it up into two more manageable parts. On this episode, we'll be talking about some of our most memorable concert experiences as well as ranking our top 10 favorite concerts. The idea for this discussion came from a recent viral Facebook trend where people have been listing their favorite concerts and other memorable ones they attended. While we discussed some of our concert experiences in previous episodes, we wanted to dive a little bit deeper as well as discussing some of the challenges of going to concerts once kids come into the picture. So now it's time for us to discuss our personal concert history. Life uh, as a single person is totally different to go to concerts than life even as someone involved in a relationship. And then especially when oh, you yes. have kids and kids at different ages. So, you know, Joe, you have you have two kids, one who's a full-fledged teenager, another that is a preteen. Uh, so, you know, believe it. what was your life like before kids going to concerts and then like what were the challenges as you know when you got married and and your son was born and then as they were growing up and all that kind of stuff sure well it was obviously like you said it was much easier going to any show i wanted before marriage and children for sure and i I have an excel sheet of all my concerts that i've attended that i have up that i'm gonna reference during this but as i go through the years it definitely there was a dramatic uh, decrease in concerts attended, <laughs> d- attended in the late 2007, 8, 9, 10 period. Yeah, it's really hard. You know, you have to find a babysitter. Also, money is a huge factor, yeah. too. Money gets tight yep. quick. Concerts got more expensive. So, you know, I really had to pick and choose for a lot of years. Just, you know, I looked at I go, wow, I only went to four shows this one year or five shows, like three shows sometimes. So got way harder. Um, luckily I, you know, I always had my, my parents around and my in-laws and a lot of other people helping out, which definitely helped, but between work and then you throw work in there, work schedule, yeah. obviously just a lot harder. And even uh, we're all hoping now it's kind of weird, of course, now with the pandemic, but once we get out of this, I am definitely ready to roll with going to any concert to yeah. and I'll just figure it out. I, you, know, <laughs> you know, children, no children, money. It's just like, I'm going to these shows one way Jones or another. Jones it from. Yeah. Jonesing. I mean, no, Cause I mean, like, I know that for me, uh, even, you know, before my son was born, well, definitely when my son was born, but I was definitely cutting back on mm-hmm. shows and I'd have to sometimes, you know, tell my now wife, you know, Hey, I want to go to this show. Like, you know, do you want to come or can I, you know, is, how does this work with your schedule? And then like, yep. Definitely when my son was born, you know, before the pandemic, it was like the amount of shows, like you said, just kind of dropped. Like I went to maybe two shows, three shows. I mean, on top of that, I was playing in a cover band. So that like even ate into more of my like me time to for, for music. Exactly. And, I was and, also playing in a band too. So yeah. that took up a lot of the nights out. Yeah, it's, it's just, a, it's a challenge. And, you know, nowadays even like not say that it wasn't expensive in the mid 2000s, yeah. but now it's like concerts are just, it's insane, you know, yes, to yeah. get a ticket 
a $35 ticket is like super cheap these days. And that's like, I love going to concerts, but now I really have to pick and choose not only because of time, but definitely money. And, you know, but I mean, you know, Steve, I don't know about you. Like, have you had those ebbs and flows with, with concert going, you know, throughout your life? Oh yeah. Well, and it's funny, as you guys were mentioning the, as you get older and in general, and obviously having responsibilities and kids uh, recently, but this has happened a couple of times that I've seen it kind of go semi-viral there's always like a tweet where they're like, all right, guys, after this pandemic, the last set's not going past midnight or, you know what I mean? It's like all that kind of thing. If you're like, yeah, exactly. I've been to so many shows where I'm like, oh my, if this band goes on at like midnight tomorrow, I'm ruined. Like I'm ruined. Yes. Yeah. And I don't even have kids to worry about. I'm just in that mood of like, all right, I, I want to see concerts, but I don't want it to last till two, three in the morning. Like yes. I probably would have been way gung ho to do. You know, what's, what's interesting about New York and one thing I love about New York, especially in the summertime Cause you know, I'm, I'm not someone who loves staying up late. Cause I always wake up early no matter what. And I'm always groggy, you know, mm, and sure. I hate like feeling like that. So I prefer shows that end earlier. So one of the things I personally love about New York during the summer is that all the outdoor shows have to end at 10 o'clock. It's, right. a, it's mm-hmm. a sound order or most, like sometimes they yeah, will most, get like yeah. a permit, but I remember, you know, all the Central Park summer stage shows that I've ever been to, they open the gates at five and they start at like six, like before the wow. sun is even down. And then yeah. they they end by 10. Uh, when I saw D'Angelo at Forest Hill Stadium, he was in the middle of playing, was it Untitled? Like the, the super famous one with the video where he's like naked and stuff like that. He was playing that. He was singing that like and faded out because it had to end at 10 o'clock. Oh, and, awesome. huh. But, you know, for, for someone like me who wants to be home at, at a decent hour so I can get some sleep, it's great. But... Uh, with with, the, with that kind of concept in mind, have you guys has your preference of the 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 venue or the style of venue changed over time? Like ver, like general admission versus seated versus you know I don't know. I'll, like, I'll, I'll always take like I think standing you, you can't beat. It's a pain yeah. in the ass sometimes. But I know at seated shows we were talking before we started recording about a show I went to Jack White. At Radio yeah, City Music Radio Hall, City. one of his solo tours, and he was not feeling the vibe, nor was I. We're in the back, and I remember I was like, yeah, everyone's sitting. Even in the front, they were sitting. I'm like, get up. Like, this is a yeah, rock and roll show. Up. And he was yeah. trying to get people to, like, really, that's what he got annoyed with. And I don't that's know, what he did in Brazil. Became he a said, story you guys he, can stand up now. Cause like, yeah, it's yes. weird to him. Well, it's, like, it's, yeah, say something. Yo, you can yell at the crowd for not yeah. feeling it. Like you're at a rock show. This is an opera. This is radio city, but like stand up. Right. And, uh, he ended the show a little early and then the crowd turned <laughs> and then the curtains <laughs> turned and it was, it did, it got ugly quick. So, well, there are some actual theaters that have rules about people standing up. Like I remember right. being, at a Modesky Martin Wood show in the Marstown Theater, I was with my friend and we were front row and there was like a space, wow. like almost where the pit was supposed to be. And these kids came up and were dancing in front of the stage and the ushers kept pushing them back. And it was like, <laughs> for me, as someone who's sitting in the front row trying to enjoy the show, yeah. like yeah. it's great because I don't have these, these smelly hippie kids like, you know, <laughs> dancing in front of me. But at the same time, it's, it, it's kind of lame. And there have been times where I've been in theaters and I've been the one standing up and being, you know, the, the, the dick about like, you know, right. standing up in front of the people behind me. I'm like, no man, this is a rock and roll show. Let's stand up. Like, yes. Exactly. And I saw the last show I went to Wilco, it was kind of like that. It was at radio city music hall and people were standing up and down and it was the large venues. I, there's some great large venues, but I personally, I don't understand how people can enjoy a show at 
an outdoor stadium. Like to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. I've never been to one because it's like I can't conceptually understand how the sound can be good, how you can yeah. feel connected to the the show. Like it's one thing to see like Rush or Paul McCartney in in an arena yeah. setting where it's like a huge extravaganza. Like and even that is like much more intimate than being, you know, in the upper left nosebleed of like, you know, MetLife Stadium to to see like someone so tiny. But you know, there were some stadium shows that I that I went to, especially when I was more in high school when I was just starting to go to concerts. There was always a arena or a stadium. I saw Metallica, the old Giant Stadium. It was fine. We actually I saw Green Day during the American Idiot tour. They kind of ended that whole like whirlwind, you know, three year mm-hmm. like marathon tour at a show at Giant Stadium. And I went with my wife and her two teenage uh, nephews at the time. They were really into Green Day. I saw Green Day many times at very small places. I was mm-hmm. like, ah, all right, I'll go. But this is going to be like like Josh was saying. But I, I was very impressed because they really, you know, it depends on the band. If the band really the crowd. embraces the bigness of the stadium and Billy mm-hmm. Joe, that tour especially, really morphed into like a, almost like a, a Freddie Mercury-esque front man. Mm. He had like, at one point, a cape. At one point, he's, he's always like running up. There was like long catwalks. Yeah. There was fireworks at the end of the show. They really made it like, you know, they have a ton of hits. Like you kind of knew every song. You know, it was like yeah. a big like crowd pleaser song. So Depends on the on the on the band, you know who yeah. who really no, I, embraces I, yeah. it. Some band just stand there, like, yeah, no, you're in a stadium, you better right. like do something. Like, yeah. uh, we saw the I saw the Black Keys a band I'll mention later in our favorite shows, but one of my least favorite shows was seeing them on their last or two tours ago at Madison Square Garden. We were all the way back mm. in the the back of the arena, mm-hmm. and I was so bored, and I was like. Yeah, they're playing like they did when I saw them, you know, at a club in New York. And now you're in MSG. Like, you got to spruce it up a little bit. I know you're trying to keep it real, but like, you know, Dan Auerbach isn't like the most dynamic, like front man running running around. Like, no. And I think, you know, there's because there's a couple of thoughts that are going through my head. One is like that. Like, I feel like there are certain bands because either the crowd or the atmosphere that can do a great arena show. Like Mm -hmm. I, you too. yeah, well, you two. I saw yeah, many I, times. Yeah, I saw in a stadium. It was unbelievable. Well, yeah, unbelievable. they they would They're be like the their band that's perfect. Yeah, but perfect. I was surprised when Adam was talking about and you brought up the the White Stripe show at Madison Square Garden because to me I can't see like a duo like that or even you know the Black Keys. They had two other guys I think playing with. I didn't go see that show because to me it's like I'm not spending the money to see a band that I've seen like in such a small venue where they it's just kinda, crush yeah. and like it, yeah. it, it it wouldn't feel cool to me it's just it's one of those things you know thinking about these big venues it's kind of like when i, when we, I talked about my <laughs> musical taste i'm you very your, specific about I what guess. i like You're very specific. like yes <laughs> i had a very bad experience or have had some bad experiences in the in the outdoor shows in the uh lawn section it's to me it's yeah, see, that, that that to me is worse than like a yeah. stadium yeah that yeah. seems like you're really out of the yeah out of the vibe I've had some rough lawn experiences. Yeah. There. The last time I went on to the lawn was uh, in 2001. I went to see Aerosmith with uh, a whole bunch of people, my cousins, uh, my brother, some friends. I think Jay and Graham were, yeah, Graham was definitely there. And Jay, I think, was there too. When Aerosmith was on the main stage at PNC, I felt very disconnected. I was so amped for the show. Like, I was really excited. I, I hadn't got the Just Push Play album, but like, I was listening to Southside Sanity all the time. So I was like Not gearing up for this live show. 
But then they came out and they had a separate stage in the lawn and they did like four oh, nice. songs. I remember they did Toys in the Attic like out there. And it was like, yeah. that was really cool because you were, you were much closer and you felt like much more connected to the band. To me, it's like there are specific bands like U2. I saw at the old Continental Airlines Arena. Nice. I was in the last row in the corner. Wow. And it was still an amazing so, show. Yep. They, they, yeah. That was an amazing show. And like, you know, they're a four piece band. but And it wasn't even like the lights weren't even crazy. It was like just their their ambiance. Yes. And. But then, you know, I you saw give Bono credit. You oh, got to yeah, give him, yeah. you know, he yeah. he does it. He he gets you. He reaches to the back. They always say like Bono could reach to the, the back of the arena or the stadium. And like he really does. Yeah. But like I saw Clapton at MSG a couple of years ago. And then I saw Clapton and, and McCartney like almost like weeks away from each other. Clapton, he was great. But it was like uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the energy there. wasn't there. And then McCartney, yeah. you know, he's still old. But like the whole show, the whole atmosphere yes. is, is like something totally different. Sings along. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's it's really cool. So I don't know. I like I, you know, I prefer personally like my my favorite types of, of shows now are, you know, smaller, intimate places or good theaters like where sure. I can get yeah. solid seats. And I know that like no matter almost no matter where I sit, I'll have a pretty good vantage point. And I'll have, you know, good sound and stuff like that. I know that I've always kind of been like that way. But now as I get older, like, I don't want to deal with people pushing me and shoving me, like, you know, to get to the front. I saw a fight almost break out at a Toad the Wet Sprocket concert with a (laughs) pregnant lady and somebody else who was pushing to get to the front. And like, amazing, you know, and I personally was got into a fight with this kid at a Ben Fold show because they were he was just kept pushing people. Really, Ugh, I hate and people like, who do that. I hate yeah. them. Always that and, one. You know, my cousin Graham is friends with both Steve and, and Joe. I've been to several shows with him. He always tells me, Josh, you gotta go down on the floor. And I hate when I'm there. It's true, sometimes though. it's great if it's there's a, a great balcony. Experience. If there's a balcony where I can, yeah, just if you have chill, a good advantage, yeah, That's and you like you sit and you can connect in that way. It's great. Like, you know, yes. there's nothing like being right up front, even though the sound is terrible on a, on a small stage and you're like looking up at the person. But there's also something so nice about having no one in front of you. You're right oh, by yeah. the soundboard and you just like have your own. It's like your own private concert almost with that crowd experience. Yeah, yeah. there was one show you mentioned being in a good vantage point in the balcony. There's a venue, Terminal 5 in New York yep. City, who has actually they have just two like balconies. There's two levels. If you ever go to a show there, always on the left side is the VIP section, which I always, you know, I'm always looking up like, ah, oh, who's up there? How do you get into that VIP yeah, section? Right. So I went to see Iggy and the Stooges, 2008. Definitely one of my favorite all-time concerts, super into them. And actually, Graham was supposed to go with me. The husband of a girl that I was sort of working with at the time, is, is in the music industry. And he said, I'll go with you. So we went and then he got us in that VIP section wow. in Terminal 5. And we were all the way, the closest table. There was like a little table yeah. there. So we were actually mm. over like the stage. And to see Iggy pop from that vantage point and wow. to see the crowd, all you can see like the front of the crowd yeah. too. So almost totally. behind him was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Like, I was just like, my mouth was open the whole time. Like, Legendary. holy shit. You could just see him in his, in his element. And there's nobody, nobody like Iggy Pop. You leave that mm. show exhausted. 
yeah. just watching him. Henry Rollins has a, he always talks about that. You know, you think you're in shape, you think you're doing, and then you watch Iggy go on stage. And like, and he's, he's totally right. He's like, and he's in his mid sixties and or like seventies. Yes. Like, Still in good shape. And Crazy. you're like, why am I tired? Like you feel physically <laughs> exhausted. I saw him twice. But that show, never forget, you're like, I feel physically exhausted. I don't know what he's, he's jumping in the crowd. He's falling over. He kicks over the monitor, you know, the amps. He's just like, his pants are basically down almost to his knees at at one point, you know, falling. It's like, (laughs) it's that danger. You're like, oh my God, is he going to make it? Is his hip going to go? Like what's happening? And it's just, it's awesome. So yeah, that's definitely true. If you're in a good vantage point in the balcony, that's, that's a good spot. Certain crowds being on the floor is fine. Like when I saw Elvis Costello at the now defunct Nokia's theater slash Sony theater, whatever it was, the one in in Midtown, uh, right in in Times Square, my friend and I were on the floor. We were like, you know, four or five rows from the stage. I went to go to the bathroom and I came back and nobody was bothering me about going back to my spot. No one was pushing. It was an older crowd, but it was like the best experience being in a general admission Mm -hmm. show. It was like, this is, this is fantastic. It's like, no, this is my spot. And people were totally fine with you going back to your spot. But you know, and so many times it's like, it's a tussle. Like you go get a beer and it's like, you're just never coming back. Or like you have guys have a personal hold. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have people walking through you and spilling their beers and stuff on them. Or it's like, you know, my friends up there and it's like, not, it's like three guys are behind them. Yes. Or like, it's the one hot girl who's like, has a daisy chain of people going (laughs) through from Yes. Oh, my God. uh, It's one of those things. But (laughs) I mean, you know, all of us love live music. There's nothing like it. There's really nothing like it. It's a weird time. But, you know, I cannot wait to to go back to to seeing shows again. It's going to be amazing. Let's get into uh, some of this uh, history. Who wants to go first uh, to discuss your list of, of concerts? I'll go first. Yeah, I start from my first concert that I ever went to was Aerosmith during the Get a Grip tour at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. So this is like 93. I was either eighth grade or freshman in high school. They were my favorite band at the time. So it was like really a perfect first concert for me. I still love them, but especially at that time, I was like super into Aerosmith. They were massive. Get a grip was, you know, yeah, massive, huge. huge. I, you know, I knew every song. I was just like, that was it. They were everything. And, you know, classic arena band. Four Non Blondes opened up, which is pretty funny. Nice. <laughs> um, Linda Perry, led by yeah. Linda Perry. But uh, it, was a, it was a great show. And then like for the next four years, or basically through high school, my next shows were all just arena shows, ACDC at MSG, Van Halen also at the Meadowlands, Metallica a couple of times. So I never really went to even a club show until I got to college um, in New York City. And the first club show I went to, I think, was Local H at Bowery Ballroom. Might have been that. Wow. And then also saw the Donna's and the Mooney Suzuki at this place, Tramps, which is sort of a legendary place that... Adam mentioned earlier, it was amazing. It's a whole other experience. Just like Josh was saying, like a lot of people have that experience when you're younger, you go to these arena shows and Steven Tyler looks like an ant. You know, you see, I see the scarf on the microphone. You know, I guess that's him, you know, but then you go, wow, I'm in a club. They're right there. They're only like 50 feet away. Once you go to those club shows, 
it, you know, it's totally different. Yeah. My college years, like the late nineties into the early two thousands were probably all of my, you know, most, a lot of my favorite shows. That's when I was going to most of the shows in my history. I saw the white stripes early on at Bowery ballroom. You know, I saw like, you know, the early two thousands period of the, you know, that rock scene I was really into with the strokes. So I went to the sort of the infamous Radio City show. Speaking of Radio City, it was White Stripes and The Strokes. They did a, like a one-off show in New York and then another one in Detroit. really like peaking at that time like they were the bands of the moment and um there's a book meet me in the bathroom that documents that whole scene and that concert is sort of considered like the you know the ground zero like moment of that whole like 2000s you know mainly new york city like garage rock thing so that was that was that was an epic show you know again in college we saw um cypress hill on halloween night it was a pretty crazy show for a lot of reasons. <laughs> a lot of it's a blur, but I do have some memories of like, we're freaking out, just yelling a lot. You know, for one night, they were my favorite band or something. <laughs> like they all of a sudden, like they're the greatest band in the world. <laughs> Went to college in Montclair State. And this is at Roseland Ballroom, by the way. And the, uh, I think it was a Sunday night or something, but we went to catch the train back to Montclair. It was shut down. Oh. And... It was tough. To, we had to somehow, you know, this is pre-cell phones. Somehow <laughs> I think we called one of our friends. He had to come pick us up in the city. And, wow. you know, we weren't really in the most stable condition at the time. So it was like one in the morning. Yeah, that was a that was a memorable one. Um, <laughs> but also seeing Jimmy Page and the Black Crows during that time was 2000. Jones Beach was basically like, I would say it was like close to seeing Led Zeppelin as I ever will get. You know, seeing the Yeah, Yeah, Yes, or one of my favorite bands also oh, yeah. from that early 2000s. I saw them at Mercury Lounge, which is a super small club that yeah. the three of us have been at, played at. They became huge, to, almost yeah. like an arena band. They're huge. Yep. That was great. So them a couple of times during that period. Sleater Kinney around that time as well. They were like, just really kick ass. Seeing Black Keys, speaking of the Black Keys, now the opposite experience was the first time I saw them was at Maxwell's in Hoboken.
was really like a game-changing show for me and, and Josh's cousin Graham, who were in a band together. And that like, it was one of those shows where like, you don't even look at the person that you're with. You're just in so awe. And then the show ends and you just like turn around, give each other the look like, oh, what did we just see? Yeah. That was one of those shows, especially just at the time. You know, a lot of that music we had not heard for a few years. That was, I think, sure. With them and the stripes. probably came out. Yeah, and I saw, we saw Patrick Amazing. Carney parking. I remember in that parking garage that we'd always yes. park at. Mm-hmm. He nice. was like running to the, you know, back to the club and they're standing <laughs> back at the merch table and we bought the CD. Nice. But that's why, they, you know, I think that scene, I think some people aren't, don't get why those bands are like as great as they are, but like people forget in 1999 and in 98, yep. the rock scene was horrible. Mm-hmm. There was no place to play. Like for there was me nowhere, up, yeah. there was no place there was no to, scene any, or anything. Yeah, there was nowhere. No. To, there was a punk scene. There was a punk ska scene that was going on. Uh, yeah, at least in New kind, Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Was, so even that was like you know came and went. You know, Scott yeah. sort of was quick. So that's why when those bands came out, I was just like, yeah, this is what I really like: bluesy oh. rock music. You know, then there's also clunker shows, like I call them. I mean, there's a couple <laughs> of shows. I don't want to just list all, and not everything was amazing, you know, they go to. There's, of course, shows that are like, what did I just see or what what just happened? And one I was talking with you guys before was it's going to see Lenny Kravitz uh, (laughs) summer of, this is like the fly away summer. When fly away was on every three seconds on radio. Super pumped up to go. We're like early college, tailgating, pre-gaming for like, we're one of the first cars in the parking lot at PNC Bank Art Center. Memorial weekend, it's 100 degrees out. <laughs> a lot of substances, things are going around. We're like partying. Black Crows are opening up. So we're all pumped up. Black Crows play. And then Lenny Kravitz comes out, plays three songs that I never heard. And he leaves the stage. And then he um, basically passed out backstage. And after about 15, 20 minutes or so, they announced the show's over. And again, the crowd completely turned. You had like a f- packed house. Yay, Lenny, to like, boo, we're going to kill you. Know, the, the torches were out in one yeah. second. That, it, it was actually made the, it made the newspaper the next day. Because I remember, did, I right? remember yeah. hearing about it from my dad who read it in the newspaper. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I that to me is like insane. Like, I do it's remember. It's that no one yeah. really talks about that anymore either. Like, yeah. yeah. Was, and we always was, were waiting for him to give us our, you know, show back. We never yeah. got that like return show. So. So that was definitely one, you know, Jack White, we mentioned earlier was like sort of a, you know, he played the whole show. It was a shortened set, but he was not feeling the crowd. He yeah. didn't do an encore. The, the curtains closed and like completely like crowd turned on him. I mean, I don't have too many of those kind of stories. It's funny though. You hear a lot of stories from like the seventies when bands were so messed up on my dad's drugs. Led Zeppelin experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Or, you yeah, know, night. My mom has like a you know a concert that has come up. I've heard other people talk about where Eric Clapton, speaking of Eric Clapton, was in the midst of his, you know, drug haze, heroin addiction in like 74, maybe, mm-hmm. 73. Mm. He played in um, New Jersey. Uh, the Capitol was, Theater? Like maybe Capitol Theater, something the like state, that. Probably, was yeah. like totally zonked out. Played like a half hour. And mm. like even that was, you know, very rough. Again, the crazy, like, she's like, I'll never forgive him for that. You know, he's like terrible. Like, you're yeah. all pumped yeah. up to see. And, but there are so many stories we've read of that now. A lot of shows are probably very close to just collapsing. I mean, you read about how much drugs these old, older yeah. bands are on. Yeah. But I mean, those are basically some of the, you know, my favorite shows. Some also LCD sound system I wanted to throw in there. Yes. Um, me and Steve read a couple together. Oh my God. I saw them three times. I talk about also a show like a great 
being on the floor that is was conjured. a good one for Josh. everyone like, dance. not too rough everyone like, dance yeah it's all like happy dancing like vibing out like no one's like moshing or anything like yeah. that they're just amazing some bands you don't understand why it's so great live like mm-hmm. james murphy is like you know he's very divisive he just stands literally just like stands there he doesn't dance he doesn't really do anything he just holds the mic up it's very like robotic you know like a lot of this stuff but you're like just the songs are great and they're perfect live the, he's got the, a good band too i would say one of the best like just crowd feelings like the feeling Agreed. in the crowd was that lcd sound system the passion Dance Yourself Clean in Wellmont was like a huge highlight for me. Yeah, that opening. The opening of Terminal Mm-hmm. They have this song Dance Yourself Clean, which is the first, I think it's like three minutes, is extremely quiet. Slow belt. And they ask how they open the show, and then there's this massive drop, and everyone yep. just goes like ape shit. And it's yep. great. And then the show, you know, takes off from there. So nice. And then this lastly, I have to mention when I, I went to the uh, All Point East Music Fest mm-hmm. in London in 2019, Memorial Weekend. And that definitely was one of the highlight like concert experiences I ever had. The video footage about, I saw was yeah. crazy for mm-hmm. Mia. Yeah, we were me and, and Graham were, were pretty close to um, yeah. the Rack and Tours, and the Strokes were the two main headliners. But we saw like Parquet Courts, who we love. Courtney Barnett was there. Interpol was there. Johnny Marr from the Smiths. Amazing it was man. all rock. And talk about like night and day crowds, New York City to London. Mm-hmm. I was standing in that field. It was in a big field, and. It was like, these are my people. I was yeah. saying like, where are you? Like, I, this is what I want to uh-huh. meet, like these people. Yep. Because they all knew every word like I do to like bands like Parquet Courts who are pretty quirky and, you know, known, but they knew everything. The Tours mm-hmm. didn't even have their new album out. They just had the two singles and they knew every word. Like it was mm-hmm. like, you know, their biggest hit. And then right. The Strokes are another one who, you know, if you're not into The Strokes, it's hard to sort of get people into The Strokes. And I even, I watched video of them, like live video. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Julian is just not doing much. He's just sort of standing there. The band just sort of stands there. But man, when they came out, the crowd went absolutely insane. We talk about pushing Josh, the whole, we were in a great (laughs) spot. And even I was like, I don't know, Grant, like this is going to get bad. I didn't know how bad it was going to get us. The moment they kicked into the first song, the whole crowd pressed forward. And we're like, whoa, we lost our, you know, you yeah. can't even touch the ground like that. And I don't like that. Some people can do that, but I, I don't, I don't like that feeling. We immediately were like, get the fuck, get out of here. We got to get out of here. <laughs> so we just moved right to the left out of there. But then we had a great experience the whole rest of the, the show. But just the vibe in London and that crowd was like unmatched. I just wish that's one thing about being in New York. We get to see everybody, but there's a lot, yeah. of, especially lately too. Yep. I got to say, like, I've been very annoyed with a lot of crowds, you know, seeing the oh, yeah. Chili Peppers at MSG a couple years ago. I was so annoyed. It was a great show from them, but the crowd sucked. The crowd sucked. People are like talking. People They're are, jaded. you know, worried about their drinks. And th- even in the front, we we're like, what are you guys doing? Like, 
Yeah. If you it's, focused it's, on the band, like there's too much distractions. People aren't into like, it's just like, yeah. Too many phones, so, too many, too many live streaming while the concert's going on. That's yeah, why there's I, a, it, and there's a video on YouTube of the Chili Peppers playing MSG, same place during the Dave Navarro one hot minute, um, mm. to like 95. And it's completely different. People are uh, uh, crowd surfing and you're like, yeah, that's cool. Like that's the way it should be. Like my, our show, what the hell, you know, what was going on? Yeah. So that's one thing I hope crowds get a little more passionate after, you know, COVID goes yeah. away. We're like, Agreed. appreciate it more. So the band I've seen the most, uh, I believe is the black keys. I've also seen, well, Henry Rollins, not in a music, I've seen his spoken word, the you know, more than anybody it's just the best. I, I you know, we, tell I went everybody. To, we, I saw him at town hall with you. It was a great, yes, that was show. when we went to, yes. And that was taped for a, for like a special for yeah. IFC. Mm. That was, yeah, I love, love Rollins. Most surprising band, like opening band. I didn't really know about one that comes to mind is the screaming females from New Jersey. They opened for the dead weather, which is one of Jack White's side bands also at terminal five. And they, they really killed it. That's also like another topic we could talk about is like just bands that you didn't even know. And then you yeah. walked in and you're like, whoa, like who, who is away. this band? I did have tickets to see Rage Against the Machine for last summer. Yep. I believe I'm still going whenever that it's supposed to happen in August. I've, you know, we'll see. And then just, you know, band, it's classic concerts that I missed or wish I could have been there for. One that always comes to mind is The Clash, mm. especially yep. they had this run of show at Bonds in New York City, which has become this like really legendary like moment of time in like the early 80s New York City I think they did like 17 shows in a row, like something ridiculous because they were wow. so about the fans. I think they had like five originally and everything sold out and they had all these other fans couldn't get in. So they were like, we're going to play for the people and we, we're going to make sure our fans That's see awesome. us. So we're gonna, they played like a ridiculous about 17 <laughs> in a row. But a lot of people older than us who I know or have worked with were at these shows and they were like, it was, you know, just amazing. And they had... Um, like Grandmaster Flash opened some of the shows and they really had like that's innovative a, people and the crowd famously booed like Grandmaster Flash and Joe Strummer had to come out and like yell at the crowd, like, you know, give this guy some, you know, respect, but it was like so far ahead of the time, you know, cr yeah. curved that like yeah. these white, like rock crowds are like, what the hell is this? Like, what is he doing with the, you know, turntable? It's, it's like when the monkeys fans booed Hendrix, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, yeah. so I mean, the Clash would have to be right up there. Of course, and speaking of Hendrix, I mean, Hendrix, if you go yeah. back to like the 60s, I mean, early Led Zeppelin, Ramones, or like, you know, CBGBs, Guns N' Roses, like at the Ritz in New York City. It was a, like a famous show yeah. right when they were like exploding. I mean, of course, so many bands. And then a lot of bands over the last 20 years, I look back, I'm like, why didn't I go to that? Why didn't I go to that? Why didn't I go to that? Well, like so as we were saying before, life gets in the life, way. Life or just like, sometimes you don't even really know about yeah. a band or you kind of like, you don't get into the band till later and you're like, right. oh, like really? I should have. Could have seen them in a small Yeah, small yeah so like, I look back and when you, again, with time we were single and younger, it's like, I should have been going like every night to something, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. cheaper. You're not, not, I should have been. Going to concerts shows. and buying vinyl at their shows. Like, and the ridiculous. And that too. But I mean, the club shows are cheap, especially back then. It wasn't yeah. that much. You know, we yeah. could have been going way more. So, yeah, I yep. mean, that's basically my concert experience. Basically, I was seeing shows in New York City and New Jersey. Seeing Paul McCartney. I used to work sort of with Paul McCartney. I helped produce a, a documentary many moons ago where we 
followed him on tour and I got to go to the San Jose, California shows. Mm. Speaking of that, I just remembered another work related one was seeing the police. I, yeah, yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, yeah. Crap. Ah, yeah. Seeing the police at Whiskey A Go Go, Los Angeles to announce the reunion. That was yeah. unbelievable. That was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish my phone, I had a cell phone, but it was like no, sort it was of definitely pre, no smartphones, yeah. pre-smartphone. Ugh. I saw him on MSG on that tour and it like I was behind the stage at MSG. So it was like not the greatest spot and yep. they were solid and I was so hyped, but they were, it was like, I'm sure like seeing them in such a small venue would have been like just amazing. I was right next to the, I mean, I was like back sort of backstage. I was like on the side of the stage watching Stuart Copeland. Like I can't believe I'm watching Stuart <laughs> Copeland right, right now. This is happening. Questlove was in the crowd. Taylor Hawkins was in the crowd. Like mm. all these people wanted to, especially drummers, you know, wanted to see like, see the mm-hmm. police. So, yeah. but that was just, of course, like a three song thing, but Amazing. you know, what Still. a concert to see. I'm looking at my list now and actually it has picked up in the last few years. Yeah. So there is hope, Josh, as your, <laughs> as your son gets a little older, I've noticed like, yeah. I don't know if it's just me going like, screw it. Like I'm just going to things, but it gets easier. The yeah, kids get a little sure. older. You know, it's not as drastic to like leave them, you know, when they're yeah. babies or toddlers. So, exactly. yeah, my first concert was a kind of a random thing. My parents were really cool about taking us to early concerts. And my dad, I think through friends of friends, got tickets to something called the Moondog Coronation Ball, which was the Alan Freed, who coined the term rock and roll, did like a yearly concert and they honored it. Uh, but Jerry Lee Lewis played as like the main headliner and there were smaller bands like the platters and a few others. And it wasn't a great first concert experience. I had seen, of course, like my friends bands play in like small church venues, you know, things in my hometown, but this was like a real concert. But I look back on that and it was, you know, it was like almost a basketball arena show. So I don't really remember it. It doesn't hold that like magic for me. My first like show in that scenario was uh, a few years later, my parents took us to see REM and Wilco. And that was that, yeah, amazing show. And it was um, at uh, Cleveland's open air venue. The amazing part of that show was they did an encore and they did It's the End of the World as We Know It. And the whole concert, it like threatened rain. And when that song came on, it rained. It was on the up tour. It was unreal. Yeah. That was like, okay, this is what concerts are supposed to be. And my parents were cool about us like jumping around on the lawn and like going out and about. Because my parents were huge R.E.M. fans, which was cool, too. Yeah, that, I think, felt like my first concert. And Wilco, I remember seeing, but I don't remember it as in-depth as R.E.M. Because I think R.E.M. to me was, like, larger than life. Sure. But the whole show, it was great. My last concert, uh, which was in 2020, was this uh, woman, Yola, who was, uh, I think she's on Easy Eye Sound, but she had been produced by. Yeah, Dan Mm -hmm. Auerbach produced her. Dan Auerbach, yeah. And phenomenal concert, phenomenal show, small venue in Philly or outside of Philly, World Cafe. Great show to end on. Kind of looking forward to seeing more of her live just to see what she's doing. But she was a small band, really good show. I did a little bit of like my list of best concerts. So I uh, kind of gone back and forth on this multiple times, but the reason why I still like list this concert as my number one is in the same vein of, of seeing a rock show and being like, this is an epitome rock show. This is what I want in a rock show. Mm-hmm. It was that concert with Soledad Brothers, Boogaloo Prayer, and Heartless Bastards. And not only because the lineup was kind of insane, it was in that era of 2006 where they, I think Soledad Brothers had made played session in like 2003 
they were kind of building to like be the next White Stripes. So this show was kind of like the homecoming show in Toledo. The, the stand-up moment was the Boogalusa Prayer lead singer I'd mentioned in prior episodes. He kind of stood up the headlining band by being insanely drunk on whiskey and just going nuts on stage, doing a very amazing icky pop, you know, <laughs> yeah. performance. And then the drummer flipping the, the bass drum to okay. me. <laughs> All these things were just yeah, like that is insane. I can't believe I've seen this in my like you know small you know small venue in Toledo. And, and seeing, you know, Heartless Bastards in an early iteration and she just, you know, totally killed it. So to me, I, I still think that's like my top, but I just, I, I like it because it wasn't even historic per se. It just was amazing. I saw that. I I, was, I believe I was saw this old Ed Brothers and Heartless Bastards in New York City. Oh, I dude, think I saw both of them together. Similar era, maybe. I'm yeah. looking on my like list. I'm like, I think I have this on here, but I know I was there unless it was, so I think it was at Mercury Lounge too, I think. So anyway, oh, man. Yeah, they were they great. Were, Phenomenal. Both really good. Yeah. Um, my number two, I, I still have great memories of this, and Joe and I talk about it a lot, is the raconteurs at Hammerstein. think that they were on on the top of their game totally jack was like having his crazy banter i think to the next level yes and just they they slayed it they they jammed out a bunch yeah. of songs they did a cover with um the guy from uh yeah yeah, yeah came mm -hmm. out nixon yep and just that was cool uh, everything about yeah, the show, I, show I, you're right they, was really they awesome. pulled out songs that they don't really play we had to put our phones in the in the bag and that was, we all said like, man, I wish, I think I said like, I wish all shows were like that. Sure. All shows. Yeah. Forget the phone. You don't need it. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you don't need it, it. For me, my rule has always been, I don't know if you guys do this too. I'll only take a couple snaps in the beginning and maybe a couple at a encore. Like a, yeah, a like quick one video. Exactly. Yes. That's like yeah. my rule. It. Unless yeah, it's I like a song that they couple, never yeah. play. I just don't do it. Yeah. So that, that's the only downside is I wish I'd had a couple jack shots or, you know. Brandon Benson but then he, the raconteurs release on like Instagram, like all he's like, he'll say, Amazing like, photos. we have a pro professional photographer who'll be taking way better pictures than you'll be yeah. taking. You can sure. have them. You can do what you want. You can download them. 
And that's what I did. I, I saved a lot of yeah, them that same. next night. He was fired up that night. Murray came out and was like, let's yes. go. He was like really let's like go. amped up for that one. Yeah. Yeah, he sure. started doing this like diatribe at one point where he was kind of like talking about, <laughs> Preacher, look next to you. This is going to be, you know, he starts talking about like, uh, what was it? Quantum physics. He got really, it was awesome. It was great. So great show. Um, and then number three, this is kind of a side little quick story, but um, I had wanted and debated seeing this show, um, Lindsay Buckingham coming to town hall. And it had been just after he had been basically booted from Fleetwood Mac. And so I was like, I really want to go. And I talked to my friend and everyone's just like, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know if I'm going to go. So I just put the feelers out. Like, I'm just like, if I'm meant to go to this show, I'm going to go to this show. And at random, Josh saw through a friend of a friend on Facebook or something. No, the no, guy no. Was it, like, was, it was someone posted on the town Facebook page. I have oh, two. I have like tickets. Amazing. I need to just give them or whatever. Just get rid and of like, them. Yeah. And so I was like, I know somebody who might want them. And, and I yeah. thought I was going to have to pay for the tickets through this guy. I was like, I'll pay what I'll pay whatever. I've always wanted to see Lindsay Buckingham play live, no matter what. And the guy goes, dude, they're free. They're yours. All I want you to do is two things. Number one, have an amazing time. Number two, tell me about the show. Like, what did he do? Explain it. I was like, I'll take notes. I don't care. <laughs> Thank you so much. So I took a friend of mine and of course he did I'm so afraid and just like melt in my face. the entire show his solo stuff is not always like my favorite stuff but seeing it live i think brought it to life so that yeah. was just like an amazing show and to see him at that age still solo and and feel it you know and he made a couple comments about you know the the divorce of the band and, and stuff like that so it was interesting number four i still have great memories of those lcd shows i list this as a historic show too for me and that it was the retirement show before, you know, the retirement shows before they did the MSG show. And to me, I've seen that MSG performance and it's great. It's its own art, you know, yeah, thing and totally. people getting into it. But the crowd felt so, I don't know what the word, like needy and yes. like edgy because they knew like this it, literally could this be was it. it. Yes. This yeah. Was it. Totally. And so I, I think. I felt it too. I, yep. For sure. Great show. And also to. Terminal 5 feels like, even though it's a venue that I have issues with as far as sound goes sometimes, vantage points, but for some weird reason, everybody, I think, if it was any other venue, I don't know if it would have been as good, if that makes sense. It felt like like a rough and tumble venue that yes. LC Sound System had to play, so it was just great. It's a warehouse. It's a giant warehouse. Yeah, yeah exactly. Warehouse. Which is, it's a big little venue. Yeah. So those shows totally stick out to me. And then um, the last one I had to mention for me, uh, his favorite shows, is I saw Pearl Jam, the only time I'd seen live. And it was one of those uh, outdoor venues, Jermaine Amphitheater in Columbus. And the reason why that show really stood out to me, no matter what, besides the fact that they played forever, was the night before or two nights before they were supposed to play in Cincinnati, but it got flooded out. 
So they knew that fans had done the multi-day ticket buy and they were like, we're going to make up for this lost show. So they played extra long. They played three encores and they also played footsteps, which except for MSG, I playing footsteps is like for a Pearl Jam fan. Are you kidding? Like you saw footsteps live. It was that was a huge deal. Everyone in the crowd was just like, "Holy shit!" Holy I, shit. I, I saw them at that tour as well, oh. 2003. I just realized I was looking at my comparing my oh. list. I saw That's them awesome. down in uh, Camden. I oh, looked wow. up the set the other day, and I was yeah, they played like two or three encores. I remember it was like pretty epic. It was amazing. Around, it was how July was the day after July 4th. I think they did Rockin' in the Free World or something oh. like. Everybody was going nuts. Yeah, they're they're another one like. Eddie Vedder live is like unbelievable yeah. they're yes. on my bucket list I haven't seen them uh, I was gotta, I was pissed when my brother gotta, I said I mentioned before on another episode how I was pissed that my brother and yeah. my dad went and saw them because yeah. my brother got tickets through the 10 club and oh. when he was like 13 or whatever and I just uh, it, so I was but uh, they're on my bucket list yeah, yeah they're great it was serendipity I knew that they would play a long show but the fact that they like were trying to make up it was respect to them for doing that honestly and then I've seen Seven Dust, which you guys are like, what? And it's like, it's a band. It's a band in high school that me and my friends, we would, it was like our trip. We would go to yeah. Cleveland, we would drive and see Seven Dust. And to their credit, I will say that their last, last few albums I haven't been blown away by, but in their early stages, the energy of every band member, like, you know, there's certain bands where, you know, not a lot of them stand out. In this band, they all have this like, big personality and live the energy is great and the crowd is going insane so yeah i've seen them nine times <laughs> hey man, it's, it's, yeah it is what it is my biggest surprise for sure was a friend uh and a pr guy inviting me to see phosphorescent in 2014 at webster hall and i knew a couple songs i knew song for zula which i loved yeah but i didn't know anything else that song I and i yep. yeah and i kind of had pooed them as like a neo uh, Bob Dylan or like, a you know, even like the war on drugs kind of vibe. I thought this was going to be like a soft show. And I can't tell you like the whole show. I was just like jaw dropped. I was very impressed. And then my best surprise guest, I think I mentioned to you guys before is Neil Young. He came on stage at the Rock for Change with Dave Matthews band. And he was kind of an unannounced guest, but we had heard in other shows he had, he had been there. But to me, the reason why it, it made me and my friend literally start crying was he played Cortez the killer with Dave and oh, nice. just destroyed that song, destroyed the crowd. And there were people with us that were like, who, why are you crying? I'm like, they didn't know music enough. Like we were like music super fans. <laughs> and I was just like, it's fucking Neil Young. He played like four or five songs. He was, you know, totally generous with the crowd and it was great. So it stands out. My next concert is probably rage at MSG, like in August, maybe. And then, the ones that I wish I could see are, are obviously too many to mention, but I'm going to name ones that are 
ones I could have actually seen. So one that I actually did see and I left early was because my friends had came out. We drove out to Cleveland and it was the Family Values Tour and it was Sewn Temple Pilots headlining or like co-headlining with Corn. And I wasn't there to really see Corn. Like I really wanted to see Stone Temple Pilots and a few of the other bands in the bill. And my buddy, he ref- he's like, I, I don't care. I, I'm over Stone Temple Pilots. And this was that tour that every show, Wyland was nude, like at the end of the show. It was just wild. Like he was just a he was crazy like, wild like a man. super jacked uh, period. It well, was. Like yeah. Yeah. So I saw like three songs. I probably saw like Big Empty and if you know, I was great. And then I had to leave and I'm like, this is like a few years before, you know, he really fell off the wagon. And yep. so it was a huge, huge like regret. But it was one of those things where I'm like, what can you do? It sucked. Um, I was going to mention STP too. One of the best shows I ever saw was uh, opening for the Chili Peppers two years uh, before that, 99, summer of 99, when they were really just coming back from his troubles and jail time and everything. And like that four album was out and they opened Mm. up and they just completely like destroyed. I remember. Mm. And then I saw them like the next uh, 2002 or three at Hammerstein ballroom in New York. And they were also amazing. That was like, like you were saying, he was in like amazing shape and he was like doing the whole dancing. I was like, he was trying to prove himself. I think. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Such a regret. Yeah. I had uh, the White Stripes are a huge concert regret. I had seen, you know, a bunch of other bands in in that scene and in that world, but never got to see the Stripes. They'd always sold out in Detroit and Cleveland. And I was stupid. I was like, oh, fine, that's cool. And instead, I should have drove to the venue and like scalped a ticket or I should, you know, I should have done something. Yep. Always will regret because we don't know if they'll ever yeah. tour again. Same thing with the Black Crows. That iteration of that band, I doubt ever going to come back. Yeah. Unless some crazy. That would be huge. Yeah. If they, you know. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. They're not. I think Gorman has burned all the bridges possible. (laughs) All the bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He made it clear. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, my very first concert, as I've said before, my dad was a huge concert goer when, you know, all the time. And he. Love, we would take us to see, you know, go to festivals and stuff like that every once in a while, bluegrass festivals or, you know, whatever. My first like legitimate concert when I was really little was probably, I saw Raffi at least twice. <laughs> which, amazing. I, I mean, like if you ever watch, you know, as a, as a parent, I'm sure if anyone watches any of his shows, he's an amazing performer. He was big uh, for us when we were yeah. kids, for sure. So I, I was honestly like my... didn't know of Raffi. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nope. Oh. I don't well, know. It missed me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, I so we, we we saw like small smaller shows and stuff like that. But my first real, real like quote unquote adult show was I saw Santana and Jeff Beck at the Paramount Theater at, at Madison Square Garden in 1995. Like I wanted to go because my dad always went with my my uncle, who's like a huge Santana fan. And yep. I remember at that time I had just like gotten really into Santana because of the, I saw the Woodstock footage of Soul Sacrifice. Of course I go, I didn't know anything, you know, yeah. I didn't like Jeff Beck, like I kind of knew of, you know, he mm-hmm. was playing like his like, you know, eighties and nineties stuff, which I had no idea what was going on. And, and yeah. uh, Santana, like, I think I, I like knew like Oye Como Va or and maybe like, you know, Jingo, like sure. those were like the only ones that like I could pick out, but that still was, it was a cool experience. The last concert I saw was Wilco at Radio City Music Hall in October of 2019. That was, uh, I wish I went to the show the next night, which was at 
Brooklyn Steel, which they put on a much better show. They like we recorded it. The Radio City Music Hall show was it. They were solid. They played a lot of stuff off the new album Ode to Joy, which if you haven't heard it, it's like a really low key like slow burn album. So it's not like a it's not a great live album for that environment. Um, mm-hmm, but when yeah. they played the you know the the their rock and stuff, it was awesome. The loudest concert I ever saw was that Black Crow show at the State Theater in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I didn't have earplugs. Rich Robinson and Audley Freed had literally huge stacks, and they just like it was an explosion of sound. Like I, I it was it was so loud, like it was feedbacky like, kind of screechy. No, just like no. so loud, you couldn't hear like. The bass was real. Everything was loud, but it was still mm. it was still a fun show. Great show. The the artist or band that I've seen the most uh, is Ben Folds slash Ben Folds Five. I've seen Ben Folds Five five times and Ben Folds twenty plus times in, in situations. Wow. I was uh, a fanatic of Ben Folds Five and then Ben Folds Solo for several years. There was a summer two thousand four where Ben Folds was touring with like Guster and Rufus Wainwright and I had taken like a year off. I got burnt out from like my fanaticism and then I got back into it and I went to like four shows on that like one tour mm. like somehow. Cool. But yeah, you know, he is a great performer live, especially early on uh, in his career. It's a lot of energy and for me, I, I love his I love his stuff and I know that some of some of our friend group give me crap about it, but uh, <laughs> you know he was a life changing artist for me. Ben Folds Five was like my band growing up. It was like really like my special it kind of. I heard before Brick, I heard uh, Battle of Who Could Care Less on MTV, and it kind of just like broke me my brain. It was like this is this is what I want. This is like the music that I love. And uh, the most surprising show for me was there's several. First one I put on there was the Tedeschi Trucks Band at the Apple Farm Arts and Music. Festival. Uh, I went because I, I worked at that camp. Uh, those of you who have heard the interview uh, about the organization, but I went and, and I volunteered so I could get free tickets to go see the show. Dawes was playing. I was just getting into Dawes at the time. I kind of knew about Derek Trucks from Allman Brothers and stuff like that. Uh, and Susan Tedeschi's name, like, you know, was always floating around. Mm-hmm. But when I saw them, I knew none of their stuff. They, and this was right after their first album came out. They just destroyed, and they're notoriously now one of the best live bands out there. And I have not been able to find time to go see them. I always kick myself. They always do a run at the Beacon, and it sells out like you know in, in no time. Another was the band Fun, which was uh, you know Jack Antonoff and uh, Nate Roos. They were touring on their first album, uh, and it was before they like exploded and you know were playing at the Grammys and everything. At this really small club in Lawrence, Kansas, I had just gotten out there for grad school at this place called The Bottleneck, which I had seen, ended up seeing several shows at. It was like amazing. But they were great because it's a small venue, like Antonoff's other band, Steel Train, open. And I, you know, I kind of went in late. I think I bought tickets the day of, but they had like a full light show in this small club and they were just super tight and it was just a super fun show. And like the kids who were there, like there's a lot of teens and, 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 you know, early 20 kids, everyone like knew the lyrics. So it was like fun because the kids were like really into the show. Another amazing, surprising show was the Darkness. I saw The Darkness at the 930 Club in DC, uh, which is a very small, it's a Bowery Ballroom-esque place. I remember I loved that album, that first album, and I bought tickets and I got it like for 15 bucks and they sold out in like 10 minutes and somehow I got tickets. But like I was blown away at how awesome and how huge the show was for such a small venue. They had like full on light show. Justin Hawkins like had his, you know, his, his unitard running around. Like <laughs> he he would he jumped on top of the security guard and was like 
who was walking him through the crowd. It was just a super fun show. And like, I remember no one wanted to go with me. And like one of my friends just randomly went and he was like, this was amazing. I want to see them still, even if they come back. Now into my best shows. I was telling Joe and Steve, you know, before this about like my setlist.fm list and they, yep. they started putting theirs on there. And like, I, there's yep. so many great shows that I've seen, but for me, like, personal best shows and i'm thinking about like you know i didn't mention like how i saw herbie hancock michael brecker and um roy hargrove uh, randomly at nj pack that was an amazing show and like seeing return to forever with bella fleck those were amazing shows but like for me the best shows that i can remember like were that are they're great and i'm gonna go in uh reverse order so like i kind of did 10 so number 10 is the Daptone Super Soul Review at the Apollo Theater in December Thanks. of uh, 2014. So Sharon Jones was the headliner. They did three nights, and they were supposed to record it and film it. I think they did, but they never released it. So Sharon Jones was the headliner. Charles Bradley went on before mm. her. Nice. Antibalis was awesome. on before them. Menahan Street Band played. Mm. Uh, and then they had like, you know, Sawn and Star and the Como Mamas. But like, it was like three straight hours of nonstop music. Like the, the, between bands, it was like there was still a band playing. Like it was just <laughs> one of these amazing shows. And, you know, Sharon Jones had just come back from battling cancer, you know, mm. and she was just crushing it. And, you know, yeah. Charles Bradley was amazing. And, you know, the, the whole sh- uh, Antibalis was like, I didn't like I knew of them, but they it was just fantastic. We were first row on the first balcony. So mm. it was it was really great. Number nine is the Flight of the Concords at the McKittrick nice. Hotel in New York City, June 2nd, 2016. Uh, and this was wow. kind of like a random show. It was one of their warm up shows for the tour. We ended up we actually had tickets to see them in Central Park, which we ended up going to see later that year. But this was like a small venue. And nice. I randomly found out through a friend about it. And we were like right up almost like you were like six feet away from Brett and Jermaine. It was, it was awesome. Nice. Uh, it was a great show. Number eight is the Black Crows at the Tower Theater, which is right outside Philly. This was on their reunion tour. It was an amazing night. Like they just killed it. They played two sets, played a lot of deep cuts. It's just one of those those great shows. Number seven, Rackin Tours at Terminal Five, which I mentioned earlier, which was just awesome. Number yeah. six was Wilco. Really? My first time I saw Wilco, which is at Terminal Five in 2012, July 2012. They just they put on an amazing show. Great set list and great great album to see them on. Number five, Steve was at this show with me. Was the great, Wolf, great show. Wolf, first time we saw Wolfpack at King's Theater in yep. September 2018.
amazing show. Dave Koz came out and crushed it. And yep. the crowd rendition. was nuts too. Yeah, the crowd was nuts. It was the second night of a two night run. Uh, they, they ended with outro, which is like one of my favorite songs. And it just was like a great ending. Number four for me is a, a classic Modesky Martin and Wood show at the Marstown Community Theater in Marstown, New Jersey, December 2000. They played two full sets. They went like three hours. Rabot, this guitar player, was playing with them, came out, and they just they played like a, maybe a total of like 10, 12 songs in the course of the night. They did a, like a, a 15 minute rendition of, of, of Third Stone from the Sun by Hendrix. It was it was awesome. Number three, Ben Folds 5, Central Park Summer Stage, New York City. They had a full string section, full uh, horn section. It was it was awesome. Number two is Ben Folds Solo, Town Hall on his first solo tour. Town Hall is great, as Steve mentioned, great venue. Just super, super energetic, like amazing, amazing show. And uh, this was right after 9-11. So I was home for, for Thanksgiving. It was, it, was, it was a really powerful show. Number one show, which I could, you know, any of these shows really could be number one, was first time I saw Modesky, Schofield, Martin, and Wood. So Modesky, Martin, Wood played with John Schofield, who was a jazz guitar player. They had released um, their first album as this group, even though MMW played with Schofield on their this album with Go-Go. And 930 Club, I didn't mention this, but it's my favorite venue ever. Like, greatest venue. I've seen probably the most shows there because I lived down there, went to school down there for a while. Greatest venue. Musically, probably the tightest show I had ever seen. Like MMW usually goes off on like tangent. They were just locked in with Schofield. They played two sets and a full encore. And what made it even better was a friend of mine, she works for the Kennedy Center and she was able to grab free tickets to the show. You know, it was sold out. And I'm like, can you get tickets for this? I'll be down in town. And she was like, she sure enough, she got tickets. And wow. that time frame that November 2006 I went on a run of shows in one month uh, November 3rd saw the Black Keys at Nokia Theater November 8th mm. saw Black Crows at Starland Ballroom which that was another memorable show they went three hours or like two it was like they just went on and on it was like the last show of their tour so they're like we're just going to keep playing so Modesky Schofield Martin Wood at 930 and then randomly saw Ben Folds at the Beacon Theater so like four shows in like wow. three weeks yeah uh, so that was that was a great run for me but yeah, that Medesky Schofield Martin Wood show just, I just remember coming out of it and be like, it wasn't like anything like super high energy. It was just like, this is the best show I've ever seen. Wow. Like, this is the best, musically, the best show I've ever seen um, with one of my favorite bands, you know, yeah. to play. Yeah. So that's my little, you know, snippet history. A couple of artists I would love to see have seen live. Obviously, Jimi Hendrix experience is like up there. Yeah. Um, you know, the band in their prime, I would have loved to have seen. 
Obviously, yep. the Beatles, like these, you know, they're, they're the classic bands. But a band that you mentioned, Steve, that I really wish I had a chance to see is REM. Yeah. I wish I, I had gotten to see them. You know, just oh, yeah. so great. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to see a lot of bands I thought I never would see live, you know, like Return to Forever. Like, who would have thought they would have gotten back together? The police mm-hmm. never thought I would have, you know, seen them. Yep. Even like seeing Toad the Wet Sprocket because they, you know, broke up when I was a teenager. I'm like, oh, they're never game, you know, that kind of thing. So I've been lucky enough to see a lot of great bands that I w- would have been on my bucket list that, you know, that came back. So, you know, that's I, I can't wait to see shows. I can't wait to play shows. And I'm looking forward to, you know, doing all that. So now, as we always do at the end of the show, we are going to talk about what we've been listening to. And uh, this time around, Steve, why don't you go first? What have you been really digging lately? The other day, it's been a month where I was driving in and out of the city for work. And one day my dad recommended this band Squid out of the UK. And I've kind of been on this UK music kick because, I don't know, in my opinion, they're just doing a lot uh, in the rock world, in the soul world and Hmm. just in general like i've just been really impressed so i checked out this song called house plants that i guess was like kind of a hit on bbc radio and over in the uk i had never heard of it my dad must have heard it on his like college radio so i played it and i really loved it and then of course i saw there's a new album that they worked on that they finished during the pandemic and it was just like described as you know controlled chaos and very exciting so the song is called narrator Basically, uh, I, the way I've been describing it to people, including I, I mentioned to Joe, I said it's it's post-punk infused rock and roll, but it's it, it almost has an LCD sound system edge to it. And yet Modest Mouse, the singer uh, mm. Brock, kind of has that kind of vibe to it. So just love the song. It's over eight minutes, mm. but it doesn't really feel over long. Interesting. Yeah, and it has this really crazy, blissful, angry crescendo at the end with this girl singer that uh, is the guest. To me, it's it just rocks, uh, and it made me immediately reorder the album. It's called Bright Greenfield, and it drops in May. And so on, like I think it was two Bandcamp Fridays ago that I pre-ordered. So it's in. That's awesome. Yeah, you you sent me I think this song or one of their songs. Maybe it was House Party. It sounded really cool. Definitely up my alley. I gotta check that out more. And then on the soul front, I have been extremely excited and decide myself to receive the two Salt albums. Untitled Rise to me was, you know, my top albums of the year. And still to this day, I'm still listening to that album on repeat. So when I got the album, the song's strong. It's the opening track. (laughs) 
it's it's a journey is kind of how I describe it, if that makes any sense, because mm. it's layered. Like there's flutes, there's drum breakdowns, there's solos, there's these insane harmonies and vocals. And the thing about Salt that is always drawn me, aside from the fact that they kind of came out of nowhere for us through Rob's list and a bunch of other, you know, top 10 lists or whatever, is that I couldn't find any live performances they're very mysterious. Did you say they were a collective or something? Yeah, yeah they're a collective. collective. Yeah, there's like no information on like there's the nothing members. Yeah, amazing. the only thing that I knew was Michael Kiwanuka had guested on one of the tracks. Yeah. Otherwise, sometimes in the songs they sound American, some songs they sound British. So it's very intriguing to me. So yeah, that song like has just been on repeat. And then the last uh, track is a song by Sven Wonder, one of the artists last year that uh, Adam turned me on to. And I kind of went back and forth on which song to recommend because I guess they released two albums in 2020. But this one is from the album he picked. It's the, I think the one before the last one, but the song is called Hanami. The album is Wabi Sabi, and again, the whole album is really great. Both albums actually are really great. And it's a guy from Sweden, and Sven Wonder is his alias. But to me, the song and the whole album kind of sounds like Mediterranean music meets Japanese music. Cool. And a lot of it is funky, and I don't know. The, this song specifically to me is like a soundtrack to a 70s spy film with like Curtis Mayfield producing hmm. or something. So yeah, it's just... It's good, like, loungy music. It's good just driving music. I was telling Joe to make, like, a good bed for his radio show, so. Yeah, definitely. I have to remember <laughs> to download some of that. I, I listened to some of the, the other the album was uh, Eastern Flowers because mm-hmm. uh, Aquarium Drunkard had it on their, like, year-end list. That was the only reason I heard of it. And yeah. I was like, wow, this is really cool. So, it's a good uh, album, too. Yes. All right, Joe, what about you? So for my first pick, um, this year in 2021, the band that I've listened to the most has been the OCs by far. I've just been loving everything they've been putting out. And this pick is from a new live set that they dropped back in January called Live at Henry Miller Library, recorded in Big Sur, California. recorded back in December for a uh, ticketed streaming event and then they dropped it uh, via Bandcamp in January it's just a killer badass rock and roll set they don't hold back they just they just kill it 20 songs three songs I've never played live before apparently uh, and also three Black Flag covers including a really cool version of uh, Nervous Breakdown and um, the entire set was also a filmed video. You can see it on YouTube. The entire set is up there. And they also just did a Levitation Sessions Volume 2, which was amazing. Levitations actually was the Austin Psych Fest. It was renamed Levitation. They've been doing a lot of cool stuff during huh. the pandemic with different bands, uh, including the Black Angels, OCs, 
And um, there's a new one coming up with Fuzz, who I talk a lot about on the podcast as well, featuring Ty Siegel at the end of April. My second pick is from a new artist called Sugarmill Slim. He just dropped his debut, uh, self-titled debut record. And he's described himself on Facebook as glammed up blues harmonica punk from Los Angeles. <laughs> I like that description. I pretty awesome. much describes what he is. Very old yep. school vibe, very like old school Chicago 60s blues, Paul Butterfield band thing going on. He has great harmonica playing. Um, it's a digital only release on Bandcamp. Um, but this song that I picked is an instrumental called Screamin'. Today is a new single from the band The Tarantinos. It's called Durango Twist. a brand new record label called Diddy Wah Records down in Nashville, which is run by Reno Bo, who used to play in the Mooney Suzuki. Oh, I, I, uh, there was a cool. song of his that I, I found on Spotify one time that I really loved. I, I oh, awesome. What, what song it was. But yeah, I know. Yeah. He, I think he had something last year or 2019. It was like, yeah, two years ago, I think. He had another band he was putting together, but I'm a sucker for like 60s surf vibe, mm -hmm. like Pulp Fiction soundtrack, Dick Dale, and this completely has that. And I think that that's why the band is called the Tarantinos. It's like a wink mm -hmm. to Quentin Tarantino as it would totally fit on a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> soundtrack. It's perfect. It's yeah. instrumental. I've played it a lot on my radio show and um, they have a few other singles that they came out with. I think they have three or four now. Right now, it's only digital. I hope there's going to be like a seven-inch release in the future. But this is the Tarantino's Durango twist. And Josh, awesome. what, what are you listening to? So recently, uh, you know, it's, sometimes I don't get really into new music. So recently, I, I went back and decided to, for whatever reason, give the jam another listen to. I haven't listened to them in a nice. while. Uh, I really, you know, didn't know much about them until I saw the documentary uh, that was released, I think, in 2015. That's called About the Young Idea. Uh, which was a. If you haven't seen it, it's it's fantastic. Mm. There's interviews with everyone in the band, including Paul Weller. I have to watch and that. I, I started it and never finished it. I, I, I got. I know you talked about it before yeah. too. I got to see it. It got me into the band, and so mm. I was at work the other day and just decided to go back and you know listen to to the jam because I, I kind of been wanting to get one of their albums on vinyl and their first album in the city. Yeah. 
title track in the city is just like it's so great like that first yes. album is just so energetic it's yep. you know it's really rock solid and, and there's whereas some of their later albums kind of uh you know diverge but this one is just like you know straight ahead mod punk rock in the city's just it's probably the best song on the album and it's just mm. one of those great great raw energetic tunes and from an, a very underappreciated band at least here in the united states yeah definitely it's a cool I, cover I, too yeah, I, I play that song a lot on my radio show. I, I, I love it. I always go back to it. Like when I need like a fast punk song, yeah. I'm like, oh, in the city, or the jam. It's great. It's, I mean, it's, I love it, it. I love the song Town Called Malice, you know, from but that's sure. from like their last set. But that I listened to that last, you know, album and it's kind of like all over the place and, you know, not never heard you know, it. too structured. I'll check it but out. Yeah, it's I mean, actually, I almost bought it on vinyl and then it, it I had it in Discogs in my uh, in my shopping cart. And then because it was just from some person. And Soul. then they just it went away because there's like you can't find yeah. that record anywhere like in any of the stores. You know, it's only in Europe, I guess. The next thing that I've been listening to is the latest uh, solo album from the pianist from Dawes. His name is Lee Pardini. The album is called Home Bodies. This is a digital only release right now. I really hope he does release it uh, in physical form. straight up jazz album and but it's really really well done like it it's not you know it's it's definitely contemporary jazz with a lot of you know uh influences from the past but it's just solid throughout like it's great mm. piano work great tunes he's got a lot of guys who come in and help him out the cool. drummer from dawes actually griffin goldsmith plays on the entire album and if you you know if you have listened to dawes you would not expect that drummer to be playing all this jazz stuff yeah. it's he's he's a fantastic player but you know the song that i really love off the album which is kind of the only one like it uh, is ETA and it's it's definitely one of the more funkier albums it definitely sounds like a 1970s fusion album maybe that like Chick Corea or Herbie Hancock would be playing um, it's got like um, you know a, a electric piano sound going that he's playing on versus most of the other tracks are acoustic piano but uh, it's really really great that's awesome and uh, the last track I've been digging, and mainly because of, you know, recently, you know, watching their performance on the Grammys, Haim, who I actually, you know, I knew about them, but didn't really get into them until we did the end of the year Mitchum episode, you know, in December. And I was looking at his list and their album was like near the top of, you know, the, yeah. that aggregate. So I was like, all mm -hmm. right, let me go through it and listen. I've heard about them. And it just kind of blew me away of how great it was. And then, you know, I was talking to my uh, sister-in-law who works at Pandora Sirius, is, is a music director over there. And she's like, yeah, their first album is, is phenomenal as well. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, went back and was just was for a while I was just listening to Haim a lot. You know, their their latest album, Women in Music Part 3, I guess it was up for a, you know, a couple of Grammy nods in somewhere yeah. and they just recently did a collab a bunch of songs they collaborated with. They redid and added Taylor Swift on on that, a bunch of them too, including the track that I, you know, really like which is Gasoline. We're watching the sunrise from the kitchen can. When you lay in between my legs, it doesn't matter. You say you want. 
back stripped down tracks uh, on the album but it really just show, kind of showcases their songwriting ability and the, the playing of the three sisters and as good as the version on the record is the live performance from Jimmy Kimmel is just the three of them and a pianist in a parking lot and they just record it straight up live and it sounds Damn. freaking amazing cool. so you know the the track gasoline is definitely fantastic did, did mm. you ever see Himes the live cover of uh, oh well on YouTube, yeah, I, I, I was watching. I think there was a Glastonbury, yeah, like a um, festival. And they, oh wow, yeah, it was like they they that was they, part of their whole like, set, yeah, yeah, and they they, they just destroy. They're yeah. really rocking out, like their okay. stage moves, and it's like really crazy rock. It's pretty funny because you know I don't picture them like that, but when yeah. I watch it, like wow, they they were really good. I, yeah, I, they, I, deep down, I wish I did more of that. You know, I I, I like sure. Doing well on their uh, obviously what they're doing, but like I'm like I, I want them to like rock out like that. Yeah, like that I mean I, I'm, I'm assuming that like you know it would be I would definitely want to go see them live. I feel like they would be a, a great live yeah, show. Definitely. That, you know, very yeah, energetic, totally. very talented. Uh, I forget the sister's name who plays bass, but she definitely has like the great some of the greatest faces when she's playing. <laughs> yes. Like yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And <laughs> they're just you know super talented, and they just their songs are, are really good. So that's it for this episode of Dad Rocks. Thanks for listening to part two of our deep dive into concerts. Hopefully you already listened to part one, but if you didn't, we definitely suggest that you go back and check it out. We had a great time talking to Adam Shanker about his concert going experiences over the years, and he has some pretty great stories that we all think you will enjoy. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast and tell your fellow music loving dads or moms or anyone really to check it out. And if you like or even love the podcast, go ahead and give us an honest review. Those reviews and those ratings do help us. So please give us those reviews if you so choose to. We would be so thankful. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter, both at Dad Rocks Pod, and also on Facebook by searching up Dad Rocks exclamation point podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or any show ideas for us, or just want to give us a shout, you can always email us at dadrockspod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Also, we have a Spotify playlist of all of the music you have heard on this podcast today, which should be linked in the podcast description. Now, I may be jinxing things, but right now we have at least one, maybe two really special guests lined up for the show. So be on the lookout for those in the coming weeks. Though if you subscribe already, they'll just pop up when we release them. It's up to you if you really want to subscribe or not, but maybe you should for these upcoming episodes. They're going to be really good. Anyway, thanks again for listening. And remember, dads, you rock. <laughs>